0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Thank you for your cooperation. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. Jesus said, I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Boy, that's tough stuff, isn't it? I can do all things through Christ, <laughs> which strengtheneth me, that you may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven, for He maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Now we're talking in this series about what God's word has to say today about certain subjects. And the subject tonight is, what does God's word have to say about why do Christians suffer? Why do Christians suffer? So that is, that is our topic tonight thank you for standing you may be seated why do Christians suffer I think we've all asked ourselves this question even if we haven't said it out loud we've said well wait a minute I've heard that I'm supposed to be one of God's children I've heard that I'm the bride of Christ I've heard that I'm one of God's favorites why should Christians suffer at all let the heathen suffer That'll teach them. I could understand why God would punish them, but why do Christians suffer? So I want to begin by saying this. Some pain is unavoidable. And becoming a Christian doesn't shield us from pain and suffering, but it gives us a companion in our suffering. Now maybe that's, in that statement, not enough for you. But really it is. Because God's grace is sufficient for you. But you have to receive that grace. You are going to suffer. There is going to be some pain. Because the the sun shines on the just and the unjust. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Christians get sick. Sometimes they get miracles of healing and sometimes they die. Sooner or later, I know you don't want to hear this, we're all going to die. It's inevitable. We don't want to think about it, but nobody has escaped. Not even the Lord himself. We're not getting out of this alive. We may get some reprieves some miracles and healings. But if even the rapture will kill the rest of us, for in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed and the mortal will be immortal. That means you died. So it is inevitable. So again, we go back to the question, why do Christians suffer? And I want to answer that in in a few minutes here tonight. Let's talk first of all about the different kinds of suffering. First, there are three kinds in my opinion, three kinds of suffering. Number one is the physical. Second Corinthians 11 and 24, Paul speaking said of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, perils of robbers, perils by my own countrymen, perils by the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and in nakedness and besides those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily the care of all the churches he said i've suffered do you know that most of paul's ministry was spent in prison he didn't he wasn't even able to be in the public eye most of the time he suffered he suffered physically calvary was a physical suffering was a physical suffering. There was pain involved. So we can't deny that there has been physical pain brought upon believers. We are seeing it just because we don't see it in the United States does not mean that it's not happening in the world. It is. Someday it may come to this nation. Right now it's just verbal and slander. But it could happen. And persecution only grows the church. Then there's another kind of, of suffering, and that's circumstantial suffering. Think about it this way How about Joseph? Did Joseph suffer? Joseph was, suffer- was separated from his family. That's suffering. He's taken to a land where he doesn't know the language and he's made a slave. That's suffering. He's accused of rape and thrown into prison. That's suffering. All the things that Joseph went through were really circumstantial. And not of his own doing. He—he he didn't. What did he do to deserve this? It was his father that gave him the coat. It was God that gave him the dreams. It wasn't his doing. And he was falsely accused. But in every circumstance, and here's the lesson for us as Christians, in every circumstance where he was falsely accused or punished, he stood up and did the right thing. Well, if I'm going to be a slave, I'm going to be the best slave Potiphar's ever known. If I go to prison for something I didn't do, I'm going to be a model prisoner. And in every instance, God promoted him and used those circumstances to put him in a position to save both the heathen, which was Egypt, and the Jews. And without Joseph and without his sufferings, there'd not even be in Israel today the 70 of them would have all been killed by starvation. So God allows circumstances to take place, some of which we don't feel are justified. I'm going to make you think tonight. That's my goal. I'm probably not going to get a lot of amens and hallelujahs, but sometimes the circumstances that are dealt to us, which are not of our doing, are all a part of God's plan. I got to put you here so that I can move you there so that I can move you here so that this will be the result. And we don't, see, we don't see it as we're going along. That's why we have to remember that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. It does not say all things are good. Now you can say amen. Not all things that happen to you are good but they are working together. They are working together for good. So they're they're circumstantial. And then the third kind of suffering comes from be self-induced. We make bad decisions. A few of you will acknowledge that, but we all make bad choices. And sometimes the reason that we're in the position that we're in has nothing to do with God. We brought it on ourselves by the decisions that we made. I remember, I almost made a really big, I've made plenty of mistakes. I'll be the first to admit it, made plenty of mistakes. But I remember one mistake I didn't make. There was this beautiful car and I wanted this car. You know how it is. When you want something, you can justify it. So God, I think I'll go to the bank and the bank will let me know what the will of God is. The bank is not the will of God. But before I went to the bank, I talked to Pastor Tamil. I wanted some advice. Pastor Tamil, I really want this car. He said, well, how much is it, and and what would the payments be? And and I I told him, he said, you think you can afford that? Well, if if we really strain our budget, I think we can afford that, Pastor Tam. I think we can afford this car. He said, I'll tell you what. Let me give you a piece of advice. Make the payments for three months to your savings account. And after three months, if you've made the payments faithfully, go buy the car or one just like it. I couldn't make the first payment. I would have had four years of payments that I couldn't have afforded. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Would have been a really bad decision. And I would have suffered, and so would my family. Because you see, men and women, when we make bad decisions, it ripples through our family. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And suffering sometimes comes from bad decisions. Our decisions. Let me talk to you about reasons for suffering. Some reasons for suffering. Number one, I believe one of the reasons that God allows suffering in our life is to test our faith, it tests our faith. As soon as I say the word Job, you're going to be way ahead of me. Tested his faith, didn't it? And you know the amazing thing about Job? He doesn't have the Holy Ghost. He doesn't have a wife that supports him. He doesn't have any friends that pray for him. All he has is critics and judges. But he stands in his faith and says though he slay me yet will I trust him. I brought nothing into this world and I can take nothing out. The Lord gave and the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How's that for passing a test? So one of the reasons that God allows suffering is he tests our faith. Number two, I believe that suffering promotes spiritual growth. Some suffering promotes spiritual growth. I've, I've learned some things through not only mistakes, but just by life. I, I, I remember... Uh, I'll make this a little lighter for you. I remember a story about a donkey, Grandpa Donkey. Grandpa Donkey's walking along one day, and Grandpa Donkey seems to have a story for everything. Did you notice how when people get older, they have all kinds of stories? How do they know all those stories? Experience, certain things you can remember, difficult times you've went through, and you've made it. And so Grandpa Donkey's walking with his grandson Donkey, and they come along this well, and he says, Boy, that's Grandpa? He said, That's an old-looking well. He said, Oh, yeah. There's quite a story that goes with that well. He said, Well, what is the story? He said, You know, you know grandson? He said, One time, my master, this is a big well, I was about your size. My master threw me down that well. And the the other donkey said, well, Grandpa, how did you survive that? He said, well, he said there wasn't enough water in there to drown me. He thought I was going to drown. But when he heard me moving around down there, he wasn't satisfied to leave me in the well. He decided he was going to throw dirt on me. And so he started taking buckets of dirt and and throwing them over the mouth of the well. and, And the dirt was coming in and filling up the well. And the the other donkey's got its eyes real big and it's listening to every word and says, well, how did you survive that? He said, well, he said, when the dirt landed on my back, I shook it off. And then I stomped on it. And pretty soon, he'd thrown enough dirt in the well that when he wasn't looking, I took a leap and came right out. And he said, grandpa, what's the moral of the story? And Grandpa said, when people throw dirt on you, shake it off, stomp it down, and use it to get out of your problem. See? Anybody ever throw any dirt on you? No? So there... It promotes spiritual growth. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 12 and 7 says. This is Paul again. Lest I be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Spiritual growth we're talking about here. Lest I should be exalted above measure. And for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, No! No! My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And so here's Paul's conclusion after he hears the answer that God gives him. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And therefore... I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Spiritual growth comes from struggle. How many of you remember, here's Grandpa Donkey again telling stories. How many of you remember about the the, uh, experiment with the cocoon? Remember me telling you that story? Some of you do. The rest of you are going to get to hear it the first time. Or... But here's the story. An experiment takes place. A man is going to watch the, this butterfly come out of a cocoon. And, he, and he's documenting this process. And one day he sees this cocoon shaking violently. And he realizes that the butterfly is trying to get out of the cocoon. So very carefully he takes a razor blade and very carefully he slits the cocoon, not to hurt the butterfly, but to open it up. Then he takes the butterfly out of the cocoon and puts it on the mantle and waits for it to fly. But it does not fly. So he decides he will give the butterfly some assistance. And he pushes the butterfly off of the mantle, expecting it to fly. But instead it crashes. And after a couple times of this, he realizes this butterfly can't fly. So he goes to the professor and says, this is what happened. Now, what's your explanation? And he said, son, you've made a huge mistake. That butterfly needed to struggle inside of that cocoon to develop its wing strength. You took it out prematurely. It's not strong enough to fly, and now it will never fly. Some struggle in our life is good. We don't think so, but it develops strength. And when we feel weak in our flesh, that's when God can become strong in our spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so there's there's promotion for spiritual growth. Did you know that some of the greatest men and women in history had what we would consider to be defects. How about Beethoven? Did you know he was deaf? How does somebody that's deaf write that kind of music? Did you know that the longest field goal in NFL history was kicked by a man named Tom Dempsey from 63 yards away he was a right-footed kicker but his right foot he only had half a foot. And yet his record still stands to this day with a half a foot kicked the longest field goal in NFL history. And we would say he had a defect. But people rise to the occasion. They don't make excuses for their situation. And they make the best of it. And we love these kinds of stories. We love them. So it promotes our spiritual growth. It also purges us from hindrances. Take a look here in John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. And every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So here's the choices. You're either purged and pruned, or you're removed entirely. Your choice. So we all go through Purging and pruning. Did you know congregations go through purgings and prunings? That's why some people leave. It's a fact of life. Did you know that even God had a split? He lost Lucifer, one third of the angels. It was a purging, it was a pruning. Sometimes these things happen, and you might be surprised by what falls off. But that's part of reproducing fruit. That's what God wants, fruit. And so we can expect, even from God, some purging and some pruning in our lives. Not because he's mad at us. He's trying to perfect us so that we can produce More fruit. Can I get an amen to that? Okay. Hindrances. And then finally, let's talk about, lastly, let's talk about the results of suffering. What are the results of suffering? Well, number one, suffering turns us to God. Now this is my opinion but I believe there are three reasons that people come to God. Number one they're afraid that they might be going to hell. Number two they are in desperate need of strength beyond what they have received or experienced. They're in trouble. Could be any number of reasons. We could Every one of us has a story here. So, And that's probably the number one reason that people come to God. They come out of need. And then the third reason is they come out of want. I want all that God has for my life. But those are the three reasons. And so when we have needs, it keeps us dependent on God again I'll throw this out there I don't know who you work for I don't know the name of the company just for a moment I don't know the name of the company that you work for but they do not provide your needs my God shall provide all your needs according to his riches and glory. If God uses the company that you work for, then he's using the company that you work for. But still, it's ultimately him. So when a person loses a job, that doesn't mean that God won't provide. Is God still under obligation to take care of us, even if we get laid off, even if a company goes under? Is God still under obligation to take care of his own family? I believe he is. And my God will supply all my needs. Not all my wants. Not all not maybe not the car I want. But the car I need. Can you say amen? So we come one of the results of suffering as we turn to God from our need. Number two the results of suffering teach us submission. That's a tough one. Submission is a tough one. See let, let me tell you what I believe submission is. Submission is such a respect for authority that even when you disagree with it you obey it. That's Submission. When you agree with authority, that's not submission. That's agreement. That's not submission. Submission is saying, oh, that's not my will, but that is my boss. That is my authority. That is my parent. That is my pastor. Now, I'm talking about a position, not a person. Whatever authority God has in your life, when you submit to it, you've learned the lesson so we need to be submissive you know something i've i remember pardon me for using corny illustrations but i remember watching a movie one time and and it was called rudy and Rudy really wanted to go to Notre Dame, and and he prayed, and he would go to the chapel, and he would pray, and and he found this minister friend that was a buddy of his, and and he would talk with him, and, and, and they would pray together, and finally, Rudy says to the minister, he says, have I prayed enough? Have I asked God enough times to get what I want? And the old minister said to him, and he said, son, In all the years that I've ministered, I've learned two things. And he said, what's that? He said, I've learned that there is a God, and I am not him. There is a God, and you're not him, and neither am I. And we need to be submissive, nevertheless, not my will, remember the example Jesus gave us. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I submit as a person to the Spirit. That's submission. And that's, that's passing the test. Total submission. One man said it this way. Some will grumble because roses have thorns. But I'm thankful that thorns have roses. Never looked at it that way, did you? I'm thankful that thorns have roses. Be thankful. And the third reason, the third result of suffering is suffering glorifies God. Suffering glorifies God. By this suffering, We have a testimony. And again, any one of you could stand here tonight. It just so happens it's my turn. But any one of you could stand here tonight and glorify God by some of the suffering you've went through. Financially, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. And yet here you are. You're still here. Still serving God. And God's given us some tremendous victories of healing, of financial blessings. We're still here. We've got a testimony. I've told you before, I, one of the, when I asked God why I had to go through colon cancer at all, why? For my glory And for your testimony, now when somebody comes to you, Rick, and they say, I have been diagnosed with cancer, you will know how they feel. You will know what they're thinking. You'll know what's going on in here. And you'll be able to minister. And you'll be able to tell them what I did. You'll be able to glorify me. It's not anything you did. So the suffering we go through helps us to glorify God and, and gives us a testimony. I do not ask, here's a poem I wanted you to hear. I do not ask to walk smooth paths, nor bear an easy load. I pray for strength and fortitude to climb the rocky road. Give me such courage that I can scale the hardest peaks alone alone and transform every stumbling block into a stepping stone. It's not going to be easy. And here's another thing I think you need to hear. You now have resistance from the enemy. Satan is not happy that you're a Christian. He has not given up on you He still has hopes for you to be with him eternally. He's going to do everything he can to discourage you, to separate you from the flock. And you need to stay close to the shepherd. Stay close to the shepherd, stay in the flock. Why do I have, you know, I I have such problems once I became a Christian. The enemy hates you. He hates you. And and you're going upstream. So there's going to be some resistance. You don't want to go downstream. I've seen what happens at the bottom of the stream. You want to go upstream. So there's going to be some resistance. You don't have any resistance, you're probably going the wrong way. Something for you to think about. And let me share this with you. Every one of us Christians will get our healing. We just don't know on which side. We might get it here, or we will get it there. There will be no sickness in heaven. Nobody will be blind. Nobody will be deaf. Nobody will be crippled. Nobody will have cancer. All that's gone. That is all passed away. But we might have to go through some suffering in this life. We might. Listen to this. Paul said, if we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. Now listen, and this is what dawned on me when I was walking past here today, tonight, praying just before the service. Listen to what Paul said. If we suffer with him, not for him. He already did his suffering. We are never going to suffer for him. We are going to suffer with him. He is with us. I will never leave you nor forsake you, no, not to the end of the world. So it doesn't matter what you're going through. He is with you. You've got to remember that. I want to conclude with this. Let's stand together. I think I've made my point here. I want to read to you in conclusion tonight the 23rd Psalm. This was in your bulletin Sunday, but most of us don't read our bulletin, so I'm going to take advantage of that. The 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, that's relationship. I shall not want, that's supply. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, that's rest. He leadeth me beside the still waters, that's refreshment. He restoreth my soul, that's healing. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness, that's guidance. For his name's sake, that's purpose. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's testing. I will fear no evil, that's protection. For thou art with me, that's faithfulness. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, that's discipline. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies, that's hope. Thou anointest my head with oil, that's consecration. My cup runneth over, that's abundance. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, that's blessing. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord, that's security, forever, that's eternity. So all the suffering and all the trials only make us able to fly when he calls for the bride. The cocoon opens and the struggle that we had now allows us to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus So tonight, if you're going through a trial, let me tell you why God allows another reason God allows you to go through a trial so that He can promote you. You see, just like when you went to school, you had tests. The tests were not to fail you. they were given to you so that you could pass the test and be promoted. And God thinks, if he's putting you through this, he thinks you're ready to pass this test. Jesus, we're thankful as Christians to know that you know what's best for us. And whatever we go through, Lord, we need to remember that you're with us at all times. That you will not leave us nor forsake us. And that you have confidence in us. And that we can do all things through you.